Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to continue a sermon series that we started, um, gosh, a while ago, uh, called The Kingdom Around the Corner. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Um, and by the way, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is not, uh, it's not when you die and you go to heaven. Uh, when I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven, I'm not talking about the, this place that you go to. Uh, there certainly is uh, the, 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 the kingdom of heaven, which uh, in, in terms of eschatological uh, fulfillment, uh, the end times, it's true that um, God, uh, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so that, that, that's all true. But when I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven, I'm talking about the kingdom that Jesus preached about in Matthew um, chapter 4 when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was constantly preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And, of course, that includes end times events. Uh, I, I got fascinated yesterday with that, with that old movie, A Thief in the Night. Has anybody ever watched 1972? All our real Christians in here. All right, four of us. We are definitely not going to get left behind. I'll tell you that. Not going to happen. We don't want that Unite van to pick us up. You know what I'm saying? Somebody posted about it yesterday, and it just got me. I was like, man, that was a great movie. Scared the heck out of me when I was seven years old. But I'm telling you, it was a great The whole series was just great. Uh, but, man, like, uh, <laughs> there is that kingdom, right? There is the kingdom that is coming, but there's also the kingdom that is right here and right now. Like, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, has come near you. That means it's come within reach. You can reach out and touch. You can live in the kingdom of heaven right here and right now. And that's the kingdom that we're talking about. That's what my job as a pastor is. If, hey, if, if I could just get everybody in this room to enter into the kingdom of heaven, I would die happy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's not about getting a lot of people in a room. It's about getting people into the kingdom of heaven. And so it doesn't do any good if you get people in a room, but they don't enter into a kingdom. If they just enter a church and don't enter a kingdom, we've all wasted our time here. But to enter the kingdom of heaven, this is the transformational power that Jesus offers us. This is what, what, what church is all about. It's about the kingdom. When Jesus was here on earth, I mean, that's what he was constantly preaching about. He was constantly saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Most of his parables started off with the kingdom of heaven is like. And we often think that he's trying to tell us how we should do earth, but he's not. He's describing a place. It's a, that's a bad way to say it, but he's describing an atmosphere. Atmosphere. He's describing a dimension that you and I were created to live in and that is possible to live in right here and right now. And you don't have to die to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I mean, your flesh has to die. Some things have to die, but you can still be breathing. Uh, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And he's in that, he's in that kingdom. He's in that place where the king is 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 ruling and reigning where he is ruling over your life and so that's 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 my prayer for you and so this whole time I'm actually since about January we've been preaching I don't know if you know it or not we've been preaching about this kingdom we talked about freedom it was January February and March well freedom is one of the key atmospheres of the kingdom of heaven and uh, how we enter into this is, is, is so uh, difficult. We've been talking about it, having small groups about it, and we've been talking about the transformation that happens in the kingdom. And so uh, last week, we started to turn a corner on the kingdom around the corner. We started to talk a little bit deeper about what it actually means to walk in this kingdom, to live in this kingdom. Life in the kingdom is what Bob Hemp calls it in our small groups. And that's what we've been talking about. What does this life in the kingdom look like? And so last week, we tackled the dirty word, the dirty church word uh, called tithing. Uh, it has to do with that awful thing that none of us have called money. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> well, in, in church, none of us have it, but you know, in car dealerships, we have a lot of it somehow. I don't know how that works, but, uh, but it's somehow like, it's just, it, 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 people don't like to talk about money in church. And so last week I tackled that. If you're interested in that, the podcast is up, it's running. You can listen to it. It's probably so far the least listened to podcast other than the, the sex talk that Ro, Ro and I had, had, had one where we talked just briefly about, you know. 
S-E-X. And um, man, nobody wanted, to, nobody wanted to hear that one. So, I mean, you know, two things that none of us know anything about, sex and money. None of us know anything. We're just, it just doesn't apply to us. I'm sorry, marketers around the United States of America. This, these things don't. Micah was asking me, how come those people are kissing in that? Because he's, he's now no, starting to notice these things. And this is off topic, but we're walking through the mall, and there's this picture, Aeropostel picture of these two people kissing. He's like, why are they? And he's trying not to look. He's like, dad, 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 don't, don't look at that. And I'm like, that's, that's good. That's good. And, uh, and he's like, but why are they showing that? I said, well, because um, they think that's what everybody wants. And so they're showing that if you're wearing their clothes, you're going to get more of that. And, um, but those of us that are in the kingdom, what we want is a little bit different than what everybody else wants. Um, and uh, how we get what we want is a little bit different than whatever everybody else gets it. I don't have to shop at Aeropostale. Uh, I just trust God for a beautiful wife, and then, boom, it happens 26 years later. It took a while. She took a while, but finally showed up, and there you go. Uh, but, no, the, the kingdom of heaven uh, still has application to all these areas of our life. And so today I want to talk a little bit deeper um, about the kingdom of heaven and specifically about the role of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if you want to walk in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is a necessity. It's necessary. It's, absolute, it's not an option. It's not, a, it's, it's, it's not the upgraded package of Christianity. <laughs> you know, like, like well, I, well, I got the base model, but I didn't get the heated seats. You know, that's not what it is. It is, it is Christianity. It, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is as much a part of Christianity as putting your faith in Jesus. In fact, these things go hand in hand. And so today I want to talk about it because oftentimes I feel like when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts plural of the Holy Spirit. Things get spooky and weird, and everybody's like, well, I don't know. I didn't come from that denomination. I'm not a part of that. Well, the Holy Spirit is not a denomination. He, he, span, he spans across all religious creeds and religious mindsets. He even spans across religions in general. The Holy Spirit can appear to people who don't even believe in him. He can show up in the middle of an African jungle and speak to somebody about this one who had paid, who had paid the highest, about, about a God who gave his life for his children, right? Like, he tra he's the translator, if you will, of God. And so he is not partial to, well, are they going to this church or that church? Do they have this name on the sign or that name on the sign? He's not even limited to church, actually. When we pray for revival in our city, we don't just ask for God to show up in churches. We ask for God to show up in bars and casinos and and strip clubs and wherever people are that's where the holy spirit is interested in showing up he's interested in drawing all men to the father and so he's not limited to church he's not limited to to making sure people sing the right song first you don't have to work work up the holy spirit he he is so so i have three points for you first of all the holy spirit is a person he is a person okay so so that's that's, that's the first step he, he's not an experience He's a person. He's a person with thoughts, with, with emotions. He's a person. Like you and I are persons. He is a person. He has his own will. He has his own desires. Uh, he is a person. And so, and so just, just to help with this, I have, I think it's 11 different points um, from Scripture to, to talk about the personhood of the Spirit, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow through these. These, these aren't going to be my, my regular points. Don't worry. This isn't a three-hour sermon. But, but the first point, just go ahead and put it up there on the slide, Cassie. The first point is that the Spirit teaches and reminds us, okay? A person, an experience doesn't teach and remind. A person teaches and reminds, all right? In John 14, 26, Jesus said, the helper a.k.a. also known as the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.13, we impart uh, this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit talks. All right, that's what persons do. That's what people do. Experiences don't talk. The Holy Spirit is not a denomination. He is a person. Go on to the next slide. Uh, the Spirit, he speaks. He, said that he even said to Philip in Acts, 20, Acts 8, 29, he said, go over and join this chariot, right? He, he gives us direction. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting in Acts 13, 2, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have 
called them. On to the next slide. The Holy Spirit can be grieved or offended. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of... Very clearly, do not offend, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And uh, on, on the next slide, the Spirit can even be outraged. He gets mad. Not when people cut him off in traffic. But in Hebrews 10, 29, it says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has outraged the Spirit of grace? Why in the world would he get mad? I thought he was just a plastic. His face is just like me when I'm driving the Viper. Just... It's just frozen in a constant smile. No, like that's not real people. Do, do you happen to know anybody? <laughs> Have you ever met a real person? You're sitting next to one. They aren't smiling all the time. There, there are things that bother them. If they're a real person. Now, if they're a robot, okay, fine. Maybe there's not, except they're trying to take over the world. So maybe you asserting your authority bothers robots, probably. But, you know, no, the Holy Spirit is bothered by uh, this lack of faith, actually, is what's talking about in, in Hebrews, where they doubt the promises of God. But in, in uh, the, the fifth point is spirit can be um, outraged. I thought that would be real popular. Um, the spirit can also be lied to. Uh, in Acts 5.3, if, if, if you remember, there, 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 was, there was a couple, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they, 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 they got into the whole tithing thing, and they said, yeah, uh, we're going to give God everything. And so they sold their land, they sold their houses, and they said that they gave God everything, but they actually didn't. And Peter said to them, he said, man, why has Satan filled your heart to not lie to the church, not lie to the pastor? He said, to lie to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied, and he says once again, you have not lied to men, you've lied to God. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. When God speaks to you and says, hey, uh, what's going on? You say nothing. That's lying. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, and says, and says hey, you need, you need to do this, and you say, no, I don't. <laughs> That's lying. That's arguing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the, the Holy Spirit can be, you, you, can, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can pretend that you are a certain way uh, to the Holy Spirit. And this is what uh, was so detrimental to their spiritual health. And then the sixth point is that the Spirit can forbid or prevent human speech and plans. Uh, we see this in Acts 16 where they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to preach here. I want you to preach over here. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, did not allow them. So the Spirit directs us. He gives us directions, and sometimes he'll say, no, 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 don't go that way. Don't go there. Don't. And he doesn't even give an explanation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in charge. In the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit... Is, is God's vocal mouthpiece that he speaks to us, and he doesn't think he owes us an explanation all the time. In verse, okay, so, so the Spirit can forbid or prevent human speech and plans. Number seven, uh, the Spirit searches everything and comprehends God's thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says, The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if you want to know what God is thinking, you have to hear. That's why you have to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit tells us what's on the heart and on the mind of God. Uh, our, my eighth point. See how I'm just blowing through this? The Spirit apportions spiritual gifts. So it is the Holy. This is important. It is the Holy Spirit that gives spiritual gifts. You aren't born with a spiritual gift. It is the Holy Spirit that, that gives them out. The same Spirit, 1 Corinthians says, apportions spiritual gifts to each one individually as he wills, as he desires. He gives spiritual gifts. And it's so important to understand that it is as he wills. The Spirit has a will, but it's important to understand that the Spirit gives what he wants to give. And, and, and it's also good to ask for gifts. The Bible tells us to ask for spiritual gifts. But just like asking, just like, just like kids at Christmas time asking for putting on their Christmas list, as we always tell our kids, just because it's on the list 
Exactly. Doesn't mean mom and dad can afford it. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that even if we can afford it, that we think you ought to have it. You know, there's some things we can afford. We just don't think it's good for you. And so God, who's rich in every spiritual gift, he can afford everything. But there's some stuff he knows you couldn't handle (laughs) if he gave it to you. And so ask for spiritual gifts, but understand that it is him who gives the spiritual gifts. I remember we were in a prayer meeting one time. Um, it was, uh, man, it was a Saturday morning. I used to, um, when we had our church office in downtown Buda, I used to have uh, prayer every Saturday morning. Um, and it was mostly uh, just me. Uh, but uh, for, for the longest time, Nick, Nick would always show up prayer meeting. And uh, so a lot of times it was just me and Nick. Um, and then, uh, I, I don't know, it was one Saturday. Cheryl showed up and um, she was shocked to find that there wasn't that many people. She's like, where is everybody? And I said, well, probably the same place you were last three months, you know? I mean, I thought you would know. (laughs) Why are you so surprised? Anyway, people have ideas, I guess. And so, but it was just Cheryl, me, and Nick, and we were were praying. And uh, before we prayed, I said, do we have any prayer requests? And and Nick said, man, I have a prayer request that I want to, I want to, what did he say? Get the Holy Ghost. That's, that's, that's just the way he said it. Get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is another term for the Holy Spirit. Um, and those of us that you know the Crowder song, we've been singing his ghost. Uh, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's another word. Well, he said, I want to get the Holy Ghost. And so I knew when he said that, he's talking from a certain denominational um, background. Uh, because usually people don't say that about a person. You don't. I mean, unless you're a kidnapper, I guess you're interested in getting people. Um, but typically, you don't, like, get people. Like, you know, you know collect them and ca- catch them somehow. Uh, but you do get an experience. You do catch an experience. And so I said, well, you know, um, the Holy Spirit is, is a person. Um, so you don't, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't lie and wait for him and, and grab him and throw him in your van. Um, this isn't how that works. Hopefully it doesn't work for anything. You don't grab anybody like that. But... <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't, you don't get him, you, you, you invite him, you, you, you talk to him, he's a person, uh, you know, call him up sometime, hit him up, like, talk to him, and, uh, and, so, and so we got talking about it, and he was talking about how the church that he had been at for a while, that, that the pastor had said, man, if you want to get the Holy Ghost, you need to come forward, and we'll lay hands on you, and uh, there was a certain expectation, though. And the expectation was that when we lay hands on you, you're going to start like manifesting something. You're going to shake or something, and then you're going to start speaking in tongues. And because Nick had never spoken in tongues, he said, I don't think I've ever got the Holy, the Holy Ghost. I don't think I ever got him. And I said, man, like, don't you know that Scripture says that you receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved, when you were baptized, you received the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that that means that you got everything that God has for you, but you did receive the person of the Holy Spirit, man. And, 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 and that person, he does have gifts. One of those gifts is the gift of tongues, to speak in tongues. And we see this in Acts chapter uh, uh, 2, where the, the, for the, when, when the Holy Spirit fell on the 120 people that were waiting for the Holy Spirit, uh, they began speaking in tongues. And oftentimes, actually, in the book of Acts, when people received the Holy Spirit, they did speak in tongues. And tongues is, is a whole nother teaching. Uh, but, ba- but, but essentially, it's when you're speaking in another language that you don't know and you're not educated enough to speak in. The, the, the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak in this language. And it's done for different purposes. Purposes. Like in Acts chapter 2, it was done for the purpose of evangelism. Uh, they began speaking the gospel in other languages that they didn't even know those languages. And there's still evidence of this even today. There are missionaries in the mission field. They don't know the language of this person they encounter, and yet they're able to speak the gospel to people. And so God still gives and distributes the gift of tongues. There's also a prayer language, a heavenly language, where the, the Holy Spirit begins to utter something through you that you don't even know what it means. You're communing with heaven and your spirit is connecting with the spirit of God. So there's that kind of tongues as well. And so I told Nick, I said, man, it's, it's not, the, tongue, the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Tongues is a gift that the Holy Spirit can give. But the Holy Spirit's a person. So what you have to do is just ask him. Just ask him for the gift. And just like my son is happy to ask me for all kinds of stuff. 
<laughs> some of which is not good for him. And I'm not. No, you're not getting that 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 mountain bike right now. You know, and you're, you you'll kill yourself. You're not you're not you're not getting that. But but there are some things that I want to give to him. You know, there's some things that that I'm like, yeah. But, 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 but the, the, the Father waits for us, the Holy Spirit waits for us to ask him. And so right there in that prayer meeting, I said, man, just you don't have to shake or do anything. You just have to ask. Say, Holy Spirit, I want the gift of tongues. I want to speak in tongues. I want to speak in this prayer language. Just ask him. And so right there, right there we didn't lay hands on him. We, just, we were just walking around praying. And Nick just started busting out in, in tongues. Really loud and really like uncontrollably. Like he wasn't even trying. He wasn't copying something he heard. It didn't start out with robo. Seems like usually there's a lot of the robo stuff. You start robo and Shonda and you just do it, you know. But that, he, he wasn't doing that. <laughs> he wasn't, man. It was, it was from, you could tell it was from his spirit communing with the spirit of God. He had received a gift by the way, but it is the spirit that chooses what gifts he gives. You don't go to a tongues class. And I've been in churches when they had room. If you want to learn a tongue for prosperity, go to that room. If you want to learn a tongue for physical healing, go to that room. It's, it gets weird when you start building religion or without the Holy Spirit, without this relationship. The wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit being a person is it requires that you have a relationship with him. See, an experience, you don't need a relationship. You check in and you check out. You come to church, I got it, and then you go home and you do your thing. But a relationship, and you got to get to know somebody. You got to talk to them. You got to walk with them. You, 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 have to, you have to be sensitive to what that person is saying to you right now. And that is the Holy Spirit. But the, the beauty about the Holy Spirit is, see, because what happens is when, when, whenever we, we, we build a, a denomination, I think it was A.W. Tozer that said denominations are just the corpse, the corpses of former moves of God. That's what we talked about in small group this week, that a denomination is often built around a former move of God. God did something in 1908, and then we, we said, oh, this is the way God's always going to do it, and it's always going to happen, and it's going to look exactly like this, which is why we often confuse the Holy Spirit with an experience, because people had that particular experience when they received the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and then their kids looked at them and said, I want what they had, and it's good to want what they had. But, but it's different. You, it's, it's almost like, it's, has anybody here ever been a newlywed? We got any people that ever, some, some of those that are married, you've been a newlywed before. Okay. Uh, and then anybody been married, uh, I don't know, more than seven years? Anybody been married more than, okay. So this will make a lot of sense to those, to those of you that have been married more than seven years. They say it takes seven years um, to really get used to uh, an individual, uh, specifically your spouse. Um, and so that's why if you make it past seven years, uh, generally marriages last for a lifetime if they last longer than seven years. Um, that's also why if you develop bad habits within those first seven years, those bad habits continue into your marriage uh, and so we still see people getting divorced after 30 years, but that's because they've been ignoring each other for um, 23 years. So anyway, so that's just a little psychology for you. But, but man, like sometimes, like when you've been married for a while, some of that newlywed stuff is, is left, and now it's like who's going to change the diaper, who's going to clean the dishes. And, 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 and if you're not careful, some of the romance just kind of seeps out of your marriage, and you almost don't notice it until you see a newlywed couple, and you see the way they're acting, and you're like, I want to act like that. You know, the way they're just lovey-dovey, staring into each other's eyes, holding hands for not because they're helping something, not because they're afraid they're going to fall, but they're just holding hands because they like to hold hands. And, and you, you, it, it kind of hits you, and you're like, man, I want to I wanna, I wanna act like that. That's good and bad at the same time. Because here's the deal. Newlyweds are not acting. You say, I want to act like that. They're not acting. And if you step into your eight-year-old marriage and you say, honey, we need to start acting like this. You know, when we're out in public, we need to hold hands, darn it. And uh, I'm going to get the door for you in the car. And, I'm going to, and we're, going to, we're going to stare into each other's eyes lovingly. And we're just going to talk for hours at night. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to do all the stuff that people who are in love do. 
No, 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 no. The, the danger is we see how they act. And we say, well, and that's the danger of getting the Holy Spirit, a friendship with the Holy Spirit. If you really have friendship with the Holy Spirit, you will act differently. You will act like you love God. <laughs> you will act like he's the most important thing in your life. You will act like your finances are not more important than him. You will act like his kingdom is the single greatest, most important thing that ever dawned on you. And you will abandon all other things just to follow him, just to be with him, just to spend time with him. And somebody will see you and they'll, you, you, you'll be acting so good. They'll say, I want to act like that. And that's good and bad at the same time because what they don't understand is you're not acting. You didn't wake up and decide, I'm going to do this today. No, you fell in love with a person. And that person, that relationship with that person changed you, transformed you because of that relationship, not because of determination. And that's what, I'm, that's what I've been trying to talk to you about for the past six months. That transformation doesn't happen at a mental decision level. It happens at a heart level, and then it affects your mental decisions. But if you just try to keep changing your mental decisions... You, you will do it for a while, and then you get tired. It's like, man, I, every morning I got to text her and tell her I love her. Oh, jeez. I, I got busy, you know. I got stuff to do. I mean, I, oh, I forgot again, you know, to, to, to do the dishes. And, and it's just, it, those things that should come naturally. So, so really just fall in love with the person. Just fall in love with the person, then he will give spiritual gifts. Don't get caught up in the spiritual gifts. Don't say, man, I really want the gift of healing. Therefore, i got to get close to Jesus so that I'll be able to heal people. No, that's not how it works. When you, these gifts are gifts that come out of intimacy, not out of bugging, not out of begging, not out of, God, I really want it. Every single day I'm going to ask for the gift of, 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 of words of knowledge. Just, I need words of knowledge. Well, okay. But if you, if you get the person then you will receive whatever gift he has for you. All you have to do is ask. Just like Nick, you just, you don't have to have the right words. You don't have to ask a lot. You do, just ask. And boom, the, the gifts that come out of intimacy are far more greater than the gifts that come out of regulation. Uh, so sorry, I spent a little while on number eight. Let's go on to number nine. The spirit helps us. He intercedes for us and he does have a mind. In other words, he's, he's thinking. Uh, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray. Uh, as we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, he who searches hearts, including our own heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit is praying for you. He's praying for you right now. You, you say, nobody's praying for me. The Spirit is praying for you. He's interceding for you. Go on to number 10. The Spirit also bears witness to believers about their adoptions. Romans 8, 16 says, It is the Spirit himself that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How do you know if you're saved? Well, the Spirit will tell you. The Spirit will, will confirm it to you. And then finally, number 11, it is the Spirit that bears witness to Christ. Jesus said, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will, he will tell you about Jesus. And this is why if you want to get to know Jesus, you have to have the, the Spirit inside of you, this person uh, and transformation comes after that. Finally, uh, secondly, I want to talk about this person brings power. The Holy Spirit brings power with him. Uh, we talked about this. Ebo talked about this probably much better than I'll talk about power because he, he's a boxer. And he talked about how he had power from the Holy Spirit to take, out, to take out that guy that he was fighting with back in 2006, I think it was, 2005. And, and it's, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a very physical demonstration of power. And Ebo uh, uh, even talked about how the word power in the original text is the word dunamis, uh, which is where we get our word dynamite from. And if you've been in, in any kind of remotely charismatic church for more than two minutes, you've heard that. You know. Uh, you know, you, don't, you don't, probably don't know any other Greek words, but you know dunamis. Dunamis, dynamite, boom, pow. 
power, right? You know all about it. And, and, and it is, it's absolutely true. I mean, it, that is where we get our word dynamite from. And it is power that God wants to give us. In fact, when we go to Acts um, chapter 1, uh, the whole book of Acts begins with this story. Where really, the book of Acts uh, has been called the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to know about the Holy Spirit, read the book of Acts. Honestly, the Holy Spirit's in the very beginning of the book, and he's right at the very end of the book, and he's throughout the entire book. It is about the work, the Acts, it's technically the Acts of the Apostles, but it could also be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the, it is the Holy Spirit guiding the Apostles um, throughout the early church uh, uh, f- foundation. So if we go to Acts, um, back from the dead, he's, he's showing himself to various people, to his disciples, and then it says that they were being assembled together with them. He, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, that's where they were, in other words, stay right here, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Go on to verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, isn't that that interesting? Bob, Bob Hamp talked about that, how Jesus told them to wait right there for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes up into heaven, and they look at each other and go, what's a baptism of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) And the beauty of that is that they didn't know what they were waiting for. Jesus told them, but they didn't know what that was. They didn't know what that looked like, felt like, sounded like. They didn't know. And the great thing about them not knowing is they couldn't help God. (laughs) This is, this is, like I said, the danger of knowing people who have experienced friendship with the Holy Spirit is we think we can speed along the process. Oh, yeah, I know what that looks like. You start shaking, you talk in tongues, and so we, we have this pressure, right? We come forward and say, well, I, I really need to experience this. Otherwise, it's not, otherwise there's something wrong with me. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't have enough faith. I didn't get it. And the, the preacher puts his hand on it, and we don't, we don't get it. And we say, oh, what's wrong with me? I didn't, I, I didn't get it. These guys weren't sitting around going, man, I think we missed it, guys. <laughs> they, they waited for 10 days. On, on day seven, they weren't like, man, darn it. I think we missed it. John, John got it back when he was sneezing, that sneezing fit he had. That was obviously baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't get it. How come he's over here sneezing? I didn't get the sneezing gift. And, you know, and, and Matthew started laughing a lot. And he obviously got it. I didn't get it. And we, if we're not careful, we'll, we, we'll have this idea in our mind of what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that pushes us from behind saying, okay, if I do this, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they didn't have that. That's the beauty of it. They literally didn't know what he was talking about. And so he said, I want you to wait for this thing that you don't know what it is. I'm just telling you what it is. And so when they came together, they asked him, and this is so interesting to me that before Jesus went up to heaven, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they still didn't quite understand the kingdom of heaven. But the Holy Spirit, see, taught them what the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Spirit helped them understand more in 30 seconds than Jesus was able to in his physical body in three years of teaching. That's why the Holy Spirit is so powerful. Because literally, these guys in Acts chapter 2, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They go right downstairs and start preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the very kingdom that they didn't even understand just a few days earlier. Three years of listening to the Son of God preach to them, and they couldn't get it a few minutes of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly they understand. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So Jesus says to them, he's so patient, he says, man, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but this is what you do need to know, guys. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and not, there's not a period there, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So guys, the kingdom thing, you, you got the wrong question, so I'm not going to bother with that right now. But what you do need to know is that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. You will receive dunamis. And what's, what's tricky about the word dunamis, and this is what, this is what um, 
has always intrigued me uh, is the word dynamite, okay? So the English language has been developing over, over quite a while. Well, the word dynamite actually didn't come into existence until uh, about 150, 160 years ago, the mid-1800s. That's when the word dynamite was invented, and it was invented to describe a product that was invented by this guy whose last name is Nobel. You might have heard of the Nobel prizes. Uh, he's the guy who instituted those things. And actually, he instituted, they say he instituted the Nobel prizes uh, toward the end of his life because um, uh, a, a news, newspaper article um, thought he had died, and so they wrote his obituary a bit early. And uh, it was not a favorable obituary because he invented dynamite. Okay, and what they said about him is they said that this that this 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 guy is finally dead. The guy who invented a way to kill more people more quickly. It was not it was not a nice it was not a nice obituary. He read his own obituary, and he said, "Man, I need to be more philanthropic." And so he he he, deve he developed the Nobel prizes as a way of trying to dis distract people from the fact that he invented dynamite. You know. And so, and so what he did, because dynamite is explosive, it's, it's, it blows stuff up. And so almost immediately, the government said, we could use that. And uh, almost anything that is explosive, the government wants to get its hands on, you know. And so they're like, well, we could use this in the military. Well, not only do they use it in the military, they use it a lot in building the road systems here and in digging. That's mostly what, what so, so what's, what's funny is when I talk to a 21st century audience about dynamite, you have something in your head, and it usually goes something along the lines of the 4th of July or the, or the 5th of Mayo, <laughs> like today, uh, <laughs> mayonnaise. Uh, just kidding. I know it's called Cinco de Mayo. Um, I know, it's, 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 it's a joke. Uh, anyway, this, we, we, we think of stuff we buy on the side of the freeway, and we light a little fuse, and it goes boom, and it's exciting, and it's power, and it's wow, it's celebration. That's what we think of when we think of dynamite, because that's generally how most of us use it. Uh, some of us have been in the military, and we know a little different methods, but most of us civilians use it just to blow stuff up for the heck of it. And unfortunately, I think that's also our view of the Holy Spirit. He's this fireworks show. You go to church and get whipped up and get fired up. And, and then you go home and you don't even remember why you were so stirred up. Why was I, what was I shouting about? I was trying to remember. And, and by Monday, you've definitely forgotten the fireworks show. But you got to go back the next Sunday, see the show. The Holy Spirit's doing stuff. It's amazing. And then we go home back to her. And it's almost like, it's almost like the word dunamis doesn't work very well for us anymore. Because we don't use it the way that, that they used it when they invented dynamite. We went to the Wonder World Caves down in San Marcos, and uh, if, it's, if anybody's been there, it's, 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 really, it's really awesome. It's like, it's like one of the biggest caves in all North America. It's all built by nature, mostly, um, this, this earthquake that happened. And uh, just, just along the fault line, there's this massive cave that developed. Well, well the guy who, who found it uh, back in 1906, I think it was. No, it was in the 1800s. It was in the, the mid-1800s. Uh, Texas, I think, was just barely a part of of the U.S. and there was this farmer that lived there, and they were they 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 were really poor, and they lived their house was right on top of the the caves, and they didn't know it. They were so poor they didn't have a horse, and so if you don't have a horse uh, and you live in San Marcos, you you are making a three mile trek to the spring in San Marcos every day to get water, because that's a big part of you know surviving <laughs> water. So you make the three mile walk, you fill up your buckets, put them on your shoulder, and you make the three mile walk back. So that's a lot of your day spent collecting water. Well, one day the, the woman was out there uh, in, in her garden. She noticed steam was coming up from the ground and she was smart enough to know that where there's steam, there's water. And so she called her husband and she said, man, we, we need to start digging here. There might be a spring here because there's a spring right in downtown San Marcos. There might be a spring here. So they began, he called all his friends, took them four months to dig 15 feet till they found an opening about the size of my uh, shoulder width, so not very big, and uh, he lowered his 10-year-old kid down there with a candle and a rope, and he's like, check it out, son, and, and um, this is how they used to do it back in the day, and so his little kid goes down there, and he's like, dad, it's awesome, there's this huge, vast area, and so, and so, so the dad goes down there, 
and they set up um, what is now called the poker room. It's this large room down there where, where the dad is really cool down. It's like 72 degrees year round. And so the dad set up, he had poker nights uh, down his literal man cave. He had a, he's the first man cave. And he's like, man, this is awesome. I got this man cave. And so he had guys come down and play poker. Well, also, this is during the prohibition where you weren't allowed to do alcohol. He was also doing a little brewing on the side and because it's so cool down there he could store the cases down there like in the little caverns and uh, uh, well the, 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 the wife was sick of him getting drunk every Friday night so she called the police on him so the sheriff goes down there and the sheriff says man this is definitely illegal like uh, but if you deal me in so, so the sheriff joined the poker club, and the wife is still not happy. Uh, the man's still drunk every Friday night, so she calls a big judge in Austin. He comes down, goes into the cave. He's like, yeah, this is totally illegal. He fires the sheriff, says, you're not allowed to work in my county ever again, and he tells the man, this, this judge is serious, he tells the man, he says, you're going to jail for 10 years unless you decide to sell your rights to this land, to this, to this, to this cave. And the guy don't want to go to jail for 10 years, so he sells it probably to one of the judge's rich friends, uh, a guy whose last name is Rogers, like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Sells it to Mr. Rogers for $20. The house, the land, $20 and a horse. The horse died two weeks later. It's a side note, not a part of the sermon. But <laughs> Mr. Rogers is not, it was not a nice neighbor. And so Mr. Rogers goes down there. He's got the means to purchase something called dynamite. All right, and there was this little cave and went down about uh, 15 feet, like, like I said, about, well, it went a little further, about 20 feet, and it was, and it was, just, it was decent size. Mr. Rogers noticed there's like this big boulder sort of thing, and he stacks a whole bunch of dynamite around it, goes up top, lights it, blows the thing to bits, and figures out that there's this massive cavernous area below that, below that, that boulder. And uh, I mean, literally, we went down like 120 feet. And right near the bottom, there is access to the Edwards Aquifer. It goes straight from there, like 300 feet down into the Edwards Aquifer. Well, if you're in the 1860s and you find a straight shot to the Edwards Aquifer, you just hit the jackpot. And so that's what, that's what dynamite is supposed to be. That's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be. He's not for a parade. He's not for the 4th of July. He is to blow up stuff that's in your way. <laughs> He's to blast out stuff, blockages that are stopping you. Kind of like our neighbor left a whole bunch of junk out here. He's to, <laughs> not saying we're going to get any dynamite, but I'm just saying there, there may be blockages in your life. There may be people that just parked right in the middle of the drive. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and there may be things in your life that are blocking you and the Holy Spirit comes along. He blows that stuff up so that you can find a fresh source of water. He wrecks that stuff that you couldn't move yourself. So that's why, it, man, if your Mondays don't change, then your Sundays was not really the Holy Spirit. Your Sunday was a show. It was dynamite. It was exciting. But if it doesn't blow something up in your life, if it doesn't wreck something inside, it ought to wreck you. The Holy Spirit ought to wreck you and, 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 and create new paths for you to find fresh water of the Holy Spirit. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. His power also has a purpose. He, he, the Holy Spirit is a person. That person brings power, and that power has a purpose. A purpose in your life. It's not for show. It's not for people to look at you and say, oh, wow, you're so spiritual. No, it is to get rid of stuff. But what I've found oftentimes is that we don't really comprehend the power because we haven't comprehended the purpose. Jesus, when, he, when, 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 when he's telling his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, he gives them the promise of power, but he also gives them the purpose. He says, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. That's the purpose. You're going to get power, but there's a purpose attached to this power, and it is this thing called being a witness of Jesus. And that is the power that, that God wants us to have. Uh, I was listening to... Um, Oh, what's his name? Jordan Peterson, uh, give, a, give a college lecture. This is back oh, like a year or so ago. He was giving a college lecture on existentialism. Um, it's a fun, fun little listen if you want to check it out sometime. Uh, but, but basically, the, it's mostly existentialism in the 1950s specifically. And he was talking about how, how um, 
uh, existentialism was kind of fighting against this 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 concept of of science only. Um, there 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 is uh, especially the turn of last century, right, the early 1900s. There was there was this there was this 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 large sense that if we could just wrap our mind around the science of a thing, then we could truly understand what is and what is not reality. And so there was a lot of rejection of spiritual things. There's a great rejection. Nietzsche, it was Nietzsche who said, God is dead, you know. Um, Karl Marx said that religion was just a, a, a system set up to control the masses. Uh, and certainly they had, uh, Nietzsche, uh, Marx at least had a point that religion had been at times used to control masses. But just because it's been used in one particular area does not mean that's its primary use or its only use. But anyway, uh, there was this rejection of, of spiritual reality and really like let's, let's let science tell us what is real and what is not real. And we will create a utopian society based on science. The Nazis exterminated Jews because of their science, settled science. They had decided, and it was nothing personal, supposedly, uh, but they had just decided that, that these Jews were scientifically inferior to the Aryan race, and they're trying to create a pure race. And what, what's, what's amazing to me, I, I, I forget who said it, but, they, but there's, somebody once said that, 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 that a kingdom built on the ruins of another kingdom is often worse than the ruins. And so what happened was that just the first half of last century killed more innocent people than the Catholic Church did in all of its inquisitions. I mean, you know, 1,800 years worth of, of Karl Marx's evil uh, regime that's controlling the masses. They were numbering their victims in tens of thousands, but Mao was numbering his victims in the millions, tens of millions. I think it's 50-some million people Mao is responsible for killing. 120 million died in World War II. Uh, Six million Jews were exterminated by the Nazis. The Nazis actually was child play compared to Stalin and Mao and some of those guys. Like the, the, the bloodbath that was the 20th century started out with this idea that, man, we have found a way to a utopian society. And we got halfway into that century and we said, wait a minute, maybe we didn't. Maybe... Maybe the kingdom built on the ruins of this other kingdom is actually far worse. Maybe humans will continue to develop even worse ways of killing people. We're not talking dynamite now. We're talking atom bombs and gas chambers and craziness was invented in that time. And so in the 1950s, really people, just secular folks, just not even Christians, secular folks started saying, wait a minute, we got something wrong. There must be more reality than what can be measured with the five senses, see, touch, hear, smell, and taste. And what they, what they began to see was, was this idea of, um, of, of reality that is specific to the way that you view it. And I, and I don't mean subjective reality. I, I mean that things are only as real to you as you can find a use for them. Um, for instance, when you walk into a room for the first time or for the thousandth time, you generally notice those things which are applicable to your life. A chair, a seat, a couch, a TV. Uh, how many times have you walked into your kitchen and not even noticed the toaster, right? Because you don't need it at that moment. So we don't generally understand or notice things or see things that we don't feel that we need. Uh, this is true of, of just, 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 psych, just psychologically speaking. But what I've found is this is also true in church. This is also true spiritually. See, like, like I have this phone back here, which, which is hooked up to our, our sound system. It does all kinds of things. It's an iPhone. This is not the newest version. This is a, a 6S so it's like the cheaper six, three years ago. $700 still, the cheaper six. It's kind of crazy. But this thing, like, it connects to the internet. You can go on Facebook. You can take pictures of yourself and selfies and post it. You can check in on Facebook at citychapelchurch.com. Um, you, uh, you, can, you can do all kinds of things with this machine. In fact, it's got a metronome in it to try to keep me on track so I can hear the beat. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing wonder of technology actually 20 years ago this this thing would not have existed and it's in my pocket every day now but if I were to travel to like a, 
a remote village where you know, it's an unreached people group, maybe in the middle of Peru somewhere, uh, that has no access to modern technology. And I were to meet that chief, and I were to befriend him, and I were to because I because I love him, and I want to show his value to me. I give him my iPhone. He's going to take it and go, what's this do? So, so I'll show him. I'm like, man, well, you push this little button. This is back when we had buttons. You push this little button, and, uh, and, and, and it opens up. There's all these apps in here. You can take a picture. You can record your voice. You can actually FaceTime people on the other side of the world. Like this is a window into all kinds of, and start to show him this. And he's going to look at it. He's going to be, uh, you know, amazed by it. I mean, look, it's, 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 it's emitting light like the moon. Right? It plays, it plays music, like, like, almost like you're there. Like, he's transporting images into my hand. Like, this, this is going to blow his mind. But he's going to take it into his life, and he's going to be like, but what do I do with it? You know, because his life consists of, you know, going out and, and farming. So can I farm with this? You know, the, the minute he starts trying to dig a hole with this sucker, this is glass. This is going to break. Or then he just, he doesn't even have to do that. He can just walk out in the rain and it'll fry on him. You don't have to stick it in rice for 24 hours and watch a YouTube video on how to do that. Uh, but no, it's so fragile. He's going to, after about a week, he's going to say, man, this is trash. Like seriously, this isn't going to help me dig. This isn't going to help me fish. I tried sticking it in the water once and it, <laughs> it died. Uh, in the rain, it dies. It's so fragile. The glass breaks if you, if you try. I can't defend my family with this. No, the, the, tri, the neighboring tribes, I, I threw it at a guy and he just ducked, you know. And, and uh, like, like, like seriously, a steel axe would do me much more good if I'm a tribal leader in the middle of Peru. And I, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like this, this iPhone is almost, it's almost like Christians, they get saved. And God gives them the iPhone of heaven, which is the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing, powerful thing that has been so powerful in so many people's lives and has done so much for people in the right context. But most of us are living like tribal leaders somewhere. We're living on, you know, basic stuff. Like, just give me the basics. I'm just trying to not have kids that are crazy. I'm just trying to make more money. Will this thing get me more money? Because I'm, I'm, I'm out here digging, and I'm just trying to get more money. Will this, will this thing get me a girlfriend? Will the Holy Spirit get me a girlfriend? Will the Holy Spirit help me in my marriage? Will the Holy Spirit make my wife just, you know, love me and want to cook every day and, and do all that? Like, like, will the Holy Spirit make my car shinier? Because these are the things that I'm running around trying to do in my life, and, and, and that's the kind of stuff I need. I need cash. I need, I need a loan. I need, I need a relationship. Like, these are the things I'm working on here. And then God gives us the Holy Spirit. And we're like, what? How does this, how does this work? And, and then after a certain amount of time, we're like, you know, I mean, it looks great when Pastor Harry talks about it. Friendship with the Holy Spirit sounds, you know, wonderful for those people that are at that level. But I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. Which is why oftentimes in preaching, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because many of us do feel the need for that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. We don't talk about the gifts of the Spirit much because we don't have need for them. We're just trying to not freak out with our lives. So I need peace. Give me peace. I need lots of peace. I need patience because these crazy people all around me. I need patience because I'm in Austin traffic. But Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And so... And so what I, what I love about this analogy, uh, analogy is that if I were to give this to a, a chief, uh, I would obviously be giving it because it's such a significant gift. And he's important to me, which is why God gives us the Holy Spirit, because it's such a significant gift and we are important to him. But it doesn't just show our value. It also is a window into a whole new world that God wants to invite us into. And so when he gives us the Holy Spirit, and we start looking at that screen and we start seeing everything that he wants to bring into our tribe, everything that he wants to bring into our family, everything that he wants to bring into our life. It's also, that's why it's the promise of the Father. He is a promise, but he, he is a promise. When he comes to us, he is a promise that the kingdom of heaven is coming into our neighborhood, 
that, that things are about to change. Because I wouldn't give this to a tribal leader if Verizon didn't build a cell tower around there. I wouldn't give it to him if I also wasn't going to have his number and we were able to talk. I wouldn't give it to him if I hadn't prepared some way for him to use it. And the Holy God has given you the Holy Spirit and he has prepared a way for you to use it. And he's ready. He's, he's ready to FaceTime you right now. He's ready to speak to you right now. And no, he's not going to give you more money. And no, he's not going to fix all your relationships. And no, he's not going to make your kids not crazy. <laughs> you can do all that by yourself, actually. Like, he's not going to do stuff you can do by yourself. You can, you can dig. You can, you can get a job. It's fine. You live in America. You can, you can do all kinds of things by yourself. You can, you can talk to your wife nicer. She'll like you a lot more. Like, it'll be awesome. Uh, you know, you can be kind and gentle. All, like, you can do a lot of these things on your own. What you cannot do is have this access, direct access to God. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives you. He gives you FaceTime with your Father. And that's why your Father has given him to you. So I, I just want to take a minute right now. And I, this, is, this is my altar call. I would just like for us to pray, uh, not to get an experience of any kind, but to wait. And actually, um, that's, that's in part why we were going to have that midnight prayer service, because that's what midnight prayer service is all about, is just waiting on God. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, wait here, stay here, stay right where you're at until the Holy Spirit comes and you receive power. Let's just take a minute. Uh, let's take a, a moment just to quiet our minds and our hearts for a minute just wait and see what he might say to us and, and if, you, if you need something to say I, I would suggest that you just talk to the Holy Spirit you can ask him anything anything that you're wondering anything that you need if there's a gift gift of speaking in tongues if there's a gift of healing if there's a gift that you would like literally you can just ask for that gift if there's knowledge that you need he knows the heart of God. He knows the will of God. If you need to know the will of God for your family or for your job, he can tell you exactly what God wants in that situation. You don't have to just toss it up in the air and say, well, just whatever happens is God's will. No, uh, not always. Scripture says that, 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 that the, the goal, the desire of God is that we would know what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. quiet ourselves and we ask for you to speak to us desire FaceTime with our Father Spirit is saying that there's fear. And it's just this fear. Fear is, is a rejection of the sovereignty of God. Fear is a desire to grasp with our own hands our own destiny. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to relieve that fear. Wants to relieve that fear in you. Not by just zapping and taking it away but but by you transferring ownership of your life of your health of your finances of your family of your future transferring that to his hands and the 
disciples were directed by the Holy Spirit. You know, he said, don't go to that city, go to this city. Don't go here, go there. Don't take that job, take this job. And he doesn't always tell you months in advance, weeks in advance, or days in advance, but he does speak. I feel like God wants to settle the anxiousness of being like in between places, of being in between promises being in the already not yet stage the way that he does that is he just as a person he comes and he sits next to you and he says will you trust me trust my timing father we do we do trust your time we trust your ways your ways are perfect your timing is perfect your plan is perfect and your kids listen to you. We are also made perfect in you. Complete. God, everything that we need. Scripture says all things pertaining to life and godliness come through the knowledge of Jesus. So we got when we, had, when we got the gift of the Holy Spirit we had everything that we need. May we listen to him today. May we walk with him today. May we get everything out of the way. Blow some stuff up inside of us, Lord. Blow some rebellion up. Blow some hard-headedness up. Blow some religion up. Get it out of the way. We want to hear from you. We want to walk with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.